Welcome to the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, where we listen, learn, and love together. Our speaker today is Pastor Jonathan Panado. Daniel chapter 8 and verse 1. Daniel chapter 8 and verse 1. It says, In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision. In what year of Belshazzar's reign? The third year. Uh, Belshazzar was the last king of Babylon. The third year of Belshazzar's reign was the year 550, 549 BC. Babylon falls 10 years later in 538. And in Daniel chapter 8, God tells us what kingdom and what empire would come after Babylon. Does that strike you as amazing? Let me say that one more time. Ten years before Babylon falls, God predicts by name the kingdom that would conquer and take over Babylon. Is that amazing or what? That's Daniel chapter 8 verse 1. The the Medo-Persian Empire. And I find it incredible, I find it unbelievable that God named the nation that would come after Babylon ten years before it even took place. To put that in perspective, we're in a presidential uh, election season. Isn't that right? The the elections will be held 10 months down the road, and we have no clue who's going to be the president of the United States come November. Isn't that right? And and we have, I don't know how many candidates, uh, 8, 9, 10, 11 candidates on the Republican side, and, and I don't know how many on the Democratic side, and we're only 10 months away And we have no clue who's going to be the president of the United States. But 10 years before Babylon fell, God called out the nation who was going to do that. Do you find that incredible or amazing? It's unbelievable. Uh, In perspective, tomorrow, we have no clue who the Super Bowl champion is going to be. And we have all the stats on each team. Uh, We we have all the stats on each player. We know their strengths. We know their weaknesses. And we have no clue who's going to win tomorrow. Isn't that right? I mean, at best we can take an educated guess, but our guess will only be 50-50. But God, 10 years before, called out the nation who was going to conquer Babylon. I find that incredible. I find that amazing. But it gets even better. Because not only did God call out 10 years before the nation that was going to conquer Babylon, 150 years prior, He called out the name of the individual who was going to conquer Babylon. Isaiah chapter 44. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 44, and you can read it here. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 27. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 27. Who says to the watery deep, be dry, and I will dry up your streams. Who says of Cyrus... He is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt. And of the temple, let its foundations be laid. Verse 1 of chapter 45. This is what the Lord says to his anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him, to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that the gates will not be shut. 
I will go before you and I will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of irons. I I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places so that you, Cyrus, may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, I summon you by name. I bestow on you a title of honor, though you do not know me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not known me. So that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know there is none beside me, for I am the Lord and there is no other. When I read this passage, I get chills. 150 years before Babylon fell, God named the general who was going to conquer Babylon. And history bears witness of that fact that it was Cyrus the Great, Cyrus the Persian, who came. And, and the way he, he, he um, not only does God say the name, but he also says how he was going to conquer it. You see, Babylon back in those days was considered to be impenetrable. The walls were high, the walls were thick, no one could break through the walls. If, if a, an army, an invading army decided to siege Babylon, Babylon would be fine for years and years to come. They could outlast any siege. Because not only did they have enough food in their granaries inside the walls of the city, but they also had the Euphrates River that flowed right through the center of the city. And they had gates down that that would go into the river to not, not be able to let anybody go through. Babylon was considered impenetrable. And so when Cyrus comes up to Babylon to besiege Babylon, he can't break through the walls. And so what he does, and it took him several months to do this, but he took his army... And they, and they dug and they diverted the waters of the Euphrates River into a field upstream so that the water level of the Euphrates came down far enough where his army could wade through underneath the gate and open the gates of the city. And Isaiah chapter 44 says, Who says to the watery deep, be dry, and I will dry up your streams. Who, who says to Cyrus that I will open the doors before you so that the gates will not be shut. Unbelievable that 150 years before God named the individual who was going to conquer Babylon. And history bears witness of that fact. To put it into perspective, 150 years ago, that's like somebody, it was 150 years ago in the 1860s. It's like someone in the 1860s making a prophecy by name of someone in 2016. And not only naming them by name, but naming how and what they're going to do in 2016. It's unbelievable. But you know, it gets even better. It gets even better because not only did God foretell the 10 years before Babylon fell, the nation and the name of the nation who would conquer it, not only did he say by name 150 years before who was going to conquer it, but in Daniel chapter 8, he names another nation, the nation of Greece. And he names the nation of Greece as the one who would come and conquer the nation of Medo-Persia. And that was, and he did that 220 years before Greece even came on the scene. 220 years before Babylon falls, and or, or this is the third year of the reign of, of, of Belshazzar. Uh, what did I say it was? Uh, five, um, five, five, fifty, five forty-nine. Okay, that's 220 years before Greece ever even came on the scene. 
I mean, in the year 550 and 549, who in the world was Greece? What was going on in Greece? Uh, Socrates hadn't been born yet. Um, Plato hadn't been born yet. Aristotle hadn't been born yet. The Parthenon on the Acropolis in Athens hadn't been built yet. The Greeks had not yet invented democracy. The Greeks in 550, when God gives this prophecy, were still in their city-states at their time fighting among themselves. But yet in 220 years before Greece even comes on the scene, God says that the third kingdom to follow, ba- uh, to follow Medo-Persia will be Greece. And not only will it be Greece, but the first king will be a great king, represented by the horn, Alexander the Great. And when he dies, his kingdom will be broken up into four parts. 220 years before that even takes place. Isn't that unbelievable? And history bears witness to the truthfulness of the words of Scripture. My friends, this is the God who has given us the Bible. This is the God whom we are here worshiping this morning. The God who knows the future, the God who calls out the future, who says what's going to happen in the future, who says who's going to be in the future, and names them by name. This is the God that we are here this morning to worship. And this is the same God that knows the future of your life and has a plan for your life. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, in the same context of the Babylonian captivity, God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And he says, and then you will call on me and come and and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you search me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, says the Lord. This is the God whom we are worshiping here this morning. Not only does he know the future of this world, but he knows the future of your life. And not only does he know the future of your life, but he has plans for your life. And he tells us that those plans for your life are good plans. They're plans to prosper you. They're plans to give you hope. They're plans to give you a future. God doesn't want us to see, to be brokenhearted. He doesn't want us to live a life of sorrow. He wants us to live a life of prosperity, a life of joy, and a life of hope. But hope and joy in our lives can only come when we follow God's plan for our lives. And I have a burden for each of you this morning as your pastor. I have a burden for you. I'm not policing you, but I want you to make decisions that are in accordance with God's will for your life. I want your life to be in accordance with the plans that God has for you. Because it's only in the will of the Lord, it's only in the plan of God that we can have true joy and true success. And some of us here can witness to the fact that we've done our own thing. And when we've done our own thing, the only thing that there is there for us is heartache and pain and brokenheartedness and hurt and sorrow. And I have a burden for us as a church that we will align our lives to God's plan so that we can experience that hope and that joy that God has for us. And I'm not policing you. I don't know the decisions that you're making when when you leave this place. 
But I ask you to, to, to surrender your life to the Lord, to seek his will. The Bible says, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Jesus said something similar. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. I have a burden for you as church members. I also have a burden for the young people of this church. And I think a good question when I say young people with the teenagers of our church. I have a burden with the teenagers. Where are the teenagers of our church? You know, and the problem that we have, not just this church, but every church, is that the moment that they become teenagers, we begin to lose them. The moment they graduate from high school, they're gone. And before my generation, before we would leave, after we graduated high school, we would leave God, we would leave the church, but then when we got older and we had kids, we would come back. The difference is the newer generation is not coming back. And I have a burden not just for everyone, but for the young people of our church, that the young people of our church can align themselves and become familiar with God's will and God's plan for their life. I was 15 when I surrendered my heart to the Lord. I I didn't know what I was supposed to do, but I felt on that Sunday afternoon, you've heard it, and I was folding clothes, and I was in a boarding school, and I was folding my laundry. I just felt God and this burden that God placed on my heart that I needed to surrender my life to Him in the middle of doing laundry and folding my clothes. But I didn't resist, and I got on my knees, and I said, God, I don't know what to do. I don't even know what to say. I just want to surrender my life to you. And I want to surrender my life to you, and I never want to let go. That's what I said. And then I got up, and I continued folding my clothes. And God answered that prayer, and God has guided my life to this point. And I I wish that everyone can be able to experience this. God says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You don't have to wait to feel anything before you surrender your heart to him. Uh, Why can't we say to Jesus this morning, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you this morning. God wants to spare us the heartache, the sorrow, and the pain that comes from our willfulness and our stubbornness. God wants to bless us. God wants to give us a a life of, of, of joy and of prosperity. How many of you this morning want to do just that and stand up and say, God, I want to surrender my life to you this morning. I want your plan for my life. Why don't you stand if that is your desire? Let us stand this morning if that is your desire to surrender your heart to the Lord and experience the blessing of the Lord. This podcast is brought to you by the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. Connect with them at www.jaxsda.org or on Facebook and YouTube. We look forward to sharing more inspiring messages with you.